0: Hello, it's Michelle here. Welcome to today's episode of your Business Boost podcast. Now, in the world that we are all currently living in, I think you would be pretty hard pressed to find someone who is not in some way impacted by or supporting or living with somebody with a neurodiverse condition. So you may have heard labels like ADHD, autism, dyspraxia, dyslexia, Tourette syndrome and a raft of other conditions that essentially if you were to sort of group them all together are labels used for diverse ways of thinking, learning, processing and behaving. So I support a number of neurodiverse women in my business. I also support a number of women who are raising neurodiverse children or working with neurodiverse co-workers. And this is something that I'm learning more and more about every day and th- just being kind of reminded of the nuances of Working with people who work, think, and process information completely different to me. And there seems over the last 12 months or so to have been more and more high-profile women in business making their diagnoses public. So this used to be something that was clouded in a lot of shame and was hidden away. It wasn't spoken about like so many things which are now sort of brought firmly into the spotlight. And I think that this is a really positive thing, and it's actually why I asked my guest today to join me for a chat. Sarah Spence is an absolute rock star. She is a content marketer who grew her business from solopreneur to a 20-person strong agency in just two years. During this time, Sarah was diagnosed with ADHD and is now a champion of neurodivergent people. I asked Sarah to join me this week to share her story because you might be sitting there with really big dreams to grow your business, but perhaps you don't match the neurotypical cardboard cutout of what you think a business owner should look like. And we can't be what we can't see and we need lots of stories from people who may act, think, learn, work the same way that we do. And so having that exposure is really, really important. Perhaps you are encountering more neurodiverse people in your life and would love some insights on how to work best with them. Sarah is going to give you some great tips in our chat today. Or maybe you're like me and just want to expand your knowledge so that you can be even better at delivering your service to a broader client base. Either way, Sarah is an absolutely incredible woman, really wise and warm. And she shares so openly today about her experience of ADHD and how it's impacted her as a business founder. And I learned so much during this chat. I really did. And I know that you're going to as well. So I'm going to now introduce you to the marvellous Sarah Spence. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. And I want to start with a massive congratulations to you on such epic business growth, solopreneur to a team of 20 in two years. That is absolutely massive. Thank you. <laughs> so I, I want to start off with that because I would love for you to share with our listeners how did this happen?
1: It's a very good question. I, I'd like to start by saying in a way I'm not really sure. <laughs>
0: but um, You just blinked and all of a sudden um, you had 20 people on your team.
1: I, I wish. I wish, <laughs> um, I realized that by saying that it's it's pretty much negating my own role in this growth. So I'm not (laughs) going to do that. Um, What I'm going to, how I'm going to answer that question is that it has grown um, in that way through a lot of grit, a lot of calculated risk taking and a lot of tenacity. You know, I I started just freelance copywriting because I didn't want to go back to a corporate marketing career. I had young babies and I, I didn't want to do that. And then it kind of got a bit busy so I started outsourcing the editing because I thought, fine, if I can just pump through the first drafts of writing articles or website pages, I can. I don't have to worry about them being perfect. I can get someone else to do that. And then things got a bit too busy for me to even do the writing, so I started outsourcing the writing. Um, then I needed some admin support because there was just a lot going on, so I got a VA. A, you know, very typical, I think, path for most people. Yep, absolutely. Um, and then for a few years, there are quite a complicated Dance of managing multiple subcontractors and multiple projects and just barely holding it together um layered on top of that of course with some pretty massive imposter syndrome and a hell of a lot of anxiety going on so uh I made it through that <laughs> um and then COVID you know COVID. Just, uh, just that little thing. Yeah. That little thing. <laughs> um, ground everything to a halt for about three months and then all of a sudden it was like someone turned a tap back on and the world of content and copywriting and SEO just went bananas. Um so by the end of 2020, I decided to hire my first employee. Um, primarily because I I wanted I wanted a friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wanted someone who was actually in the business with me yeah um because being a solopreneur even with a you know relatively big team of subcontractors they're not really yours and they're you know on the journey with you but not really and so yeah i really wanted to um to have someone be on the journey with me and i also wanted to know that i had somebody's dedicated time for specific yes. periods each week yeah um so that was the end of 2020 um, May, 2021, I made the leap to hiring a, a senior person to kind of help me manage the business growth because I was still sitting there in the imposter syndrome going, this is, I haven't got no, I just know how to write. I've got no idea what I'm yes, doing. Yes.
0: I'm not a CEO. Not a
1: CEO. <laughs> I'll just hire somebody who's done that before and, and they'll sort that all out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the end of that year, we, we've grown quite a lot. We brought the VA in house who, and she headed up operations um she is now our ceo and has been oh, with a for wow. a very long
0: time
1: yep yeah. um and we slowly built out the writing and editing and research capabilities by the end of 2021 we were at six people um and then in 2022 we just continued to grow we had more writers more editors more content managers um, one of our original subcontractive writers, then became an in-house writer, then became a senior writer, then became the, a content manager, then became content director. So we were trying to just grab capabilities from all over the place to make it work. Yep. Um, by the end of last year, so 2022, we were 14 people strong and we've had uh, a flurry of new work that was coming in towards the end of last year that we've recruited for as well. So we're now at 20 employees. Plus uh, a team of three regular contractors. Um, yeah. But in a, in a nutshell, how we did this was ultimately like that's I guess the the what of it, and but what the happened. how. Yeah. The how is that every time we had an inquiry, and usually I would freak out and think, oh, we don't have capacity, or I just I don't know if we could do it, or I can't, we can't take it on. Um. I'd try and take a breath and I'd still pitch for the work and if, I'd think if we got a yes, then I'd deal with how to do it later. Yeah. And the thing is that we've just had a lot of yeses <laughs> um, and so far there hasn't been an opportunity that we haven't been able to make happen. So,
0: Amazing. Yeah. So you've just, yeah, it, like that that classic thing of leaping out of the aeroplane and building the parachute as you... <sighs> plunge towards the ground and it has worked for you and yeah i mean i love i love hearing these sorts of stories because it's incredible what you have achieved and that business growth i think is just you know being ready to say yes to those opportunities and going we'll just figure it out you know, later. How do you feel things are now? And obviously we are, you know, we're only a couple of months into 2023. So essentially what you're saying is you brought in like six new team members in just the last couple of months alone. Do you feel that you are set for further growth, or do you feel like you need, that there's still more sort of, places on that bus that need Mm -hmm. to be filled yeah
1: oh there are there are always places on the bus um but Mm -hmm. uh no we have purposefully most of the new people we've brought in as well are um senior team members they're really experienced we're finally at a point where we can really a we know what we need yeah um and b we can afford those people
0: yeah um but But you were hiring expert I just sorry I just want to go back you you had expert like you had fairly heavyweight people in the team right from the get-go so I think that's something that I do just want to highlight there because that's I see a lot of people falling short is that they they go oh well we'll just you know we can only afford to pay someone you know 30 bucks an hour or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but we're just going to sling absolutely everything at them and they're not the expert. And But you have very cleverly brought in experts in their field right from the get-go.
1: Yes. Yeah. But what's been really interesting, particularly for, for me lately, is that I have realized how much value I have put on scaling aspects of the business that I I guess I've been kind of scaling for a while, so scaling up the writing teams, the editing teams, the content managers, they were basically our account managers um, and the senior staff, operations. Like we've done a lot of growth in that space. We only started uh, scaling in the strategic space, which is actually fundamentally the core of everything that we do. Uh, Last December, our strategy manager joined us and up until that point, it had only been me doing it and it was amazing Looking back now, just how little I think I valued my own role in the business, yeah, um, as being worthy of something to scale. Um, and now um, we're making a pretty big correction back to strategy at the core of everything we do because we did move away from that and really, you know, scaled up in production
0: more. Yeah, so. yeah, that's music to my ears as a business strategist. I'm like, yes. <laughs> um so i mean look and another sort of cliche that that does get bandied around a bit is more more people more problems have there been growing pains sarah yeah i mean like how long have you got michelle yeah (laughs)
1: listen
0: i've got all afternoon (laughs) Um, oh yeah there's been
1: there's been some absolute doofies um i think the the biggest the biggest growing pain i guess the 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 theme or the thread that I, I can now reflect on and, and look back on over the last two years has been what's the, what's been the biggest issue that I've continually dealt with and it's been not myself, not understanding quite how important the purpose and the vision and the values were or are when you have a team.
0: Can we please have. put that in like bold underline on a neon sign? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I literally, when
1: I uh, did some fantastic and still do fantastic work with Amy from craft coaching and development, yes, yes. my coach, um, and we did a whole business blueprint and worked out the values and the purpose and whatever. And I actually said to her, like, I, I mean, this was like three years ago, but I was like, mm-hmm. this, it just it feels like words on a paper. Like, this, I don't get this. Um, But that was because it was only me at that yeah. point. And yeah, I was absolutely. already... You know, stuck in to the vision and the purpose and the value that was or it was me, mm-hmm. um, and I have realized that just uh, like how significantly important that stuff is when you have a team, and it's it's not flowery at all. Like a very clear vision and cemented value that your team feels part of, not something that you've just put on them, but something that you've got their buy in for and not just the words of the values, but what are the behaviours that they feel represent those values. Because I didn't have clarity, absolute clarity on that stuff, that has been the biggest growing pain because I didn't really know where we were heading. I didn't really know who I needed along on that journey with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that resulted in, you know, a fair few big challenging people things. Yeah. Um, because uh, and you know, no disrespect to those people, but they just—I didn't know where I was going, and I didn't know that they weren't quite the right fit for us. Yeah.
0: yeah. And that is a that is a common that is a common problem that happens when people are growing and sometimes and I'm not sure if this was the case for you Sarah, but like people are just almost taking whoever's available. it's like, shit I've got a you know I've got this hole to fill, I've got this gap in the business, I've got this piece of work that needs delivering and we need someone to do it. and it's like you know you almost need like just the arms and legs, but people forget about you know the heart like it's yes. like what you know th- th- having that um values compatibility is so so important oh,
1: important and also knowing what the vision is you know where where do you want the business to go where do you want yourself to go yeah. um and you know part part of the I guess the biggest issue here is the, the the fact that people who joined the business two years ago joined a very 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 different yeah. business to yes. what we are now yes and you know growth fatigue is really common but like growth incompatibility was also something I didn't even know like I thought you know in every interview I would say you know I just need to let you guys know like we're very fresh and everything's pretty scrappy and I thought that was kind of enough to say this is where we're at Um, but you know some people they got a bit bit shitty if I can yeah. swear, yeah, yeah, swear I <laughs> about the direction that we were going yeah. because it wasn't what suited them
0: yeah yeah
1: um and that I took that really really personally mm. as well which was hard yeah uh, but also I you know as a sidebar I think there is a fundamental issue for so so many women that we really really struggle to have a vision for ourselves let alone our businesses or our careers because we just, you know, we've been told we're the generation of you can have anything, but we're also still in that generation that was also told be quiet and be polite and be kind and, you know, and stay small. And so there's this, you know, real issue, I think, and there's dissonance in our brains. It's like who are we to have a big vision for ourselves? Who are we to say, oh, I'd like to be able to fly business class or I'd like to... You know, be a CEO, or I'd like to be able to, you know, give ten percent of our profit to a charitable organization. Like, who are we to say that? And I think it's a
0: really big problem. It is Um, because we're just not used to asking for what we want, and that's and therein lies the problem. It's like, and I see this particularly with with really small business owners, you know, micro mm -hmm. business owners, solopreneurs. It's almost like, oh, well, I just have to take the scraps. I just have to take what I'm given because the great people go to the great big companies and they want to work for the big, you know, the big corporates with all the layers of infrastructure and the layers of support and all the benefits and all of that sort of thing. And um, I have this conversation very frequently with people around, you know, being at not accepting the, the scraps. Mm. And and I know, that, you know, people are not garbage, but it's like, no, it, it's, it's that, it's that just not actually articulating, no, this, this, this is what I want. Mm. Um, yep.
1: Thinking big for yourself and for yeah. your team. And, and actually, I mean, we have seen a, such a significant shift away from both on the talent side and on the client side, A shift away from those you know, big full service agencies or you know, wanting that corporate job. That that's why our team is we're we're not geographically bound. We stretch from Cairns to Sunshine Coast, Brisbane, Central Coast, Sydney, Melbourne, Pazy, Perth, and soon to be Adelaide. And yeah. um you know, because there are incredibly smart people everywhere.
0: Yeah.
1: And and they want a role that they can where they can work to live, not live to work. Yeah. And there's, you know, you don't have to follow the rules anymore. Like you can make the rules up as you go along, but you just need to know where are you heading with those rules.
0: Absolutely, which is where that vision is so, so important. Sarah, in amongst all of this rapid growth, you received your ADHD diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about the impact that that had on you in, in amongst everything else that was going on?
1: Sure. I, I You'll have to put a timer on me, though, because I won't <laughs> stop talking about it. <laughs> uh, it's the way my brain likes to deal with it, just to talk, talk, talk. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, it's no secret. It, 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 of course it had a profound impact, both positive and negative. Um, yep. Initially there was a, a bucket load of grief. Um, grief, uh, you know, I kind of grieved how my life could have been different had I known earlier, um, how, you know, if I'd I'd known earlier and if I'd had the benefit of living in the time that we live in now where, you know, recognition of difference is more celebrated than it is shamed. Yeah. Um, Well, certainly in my echo chamber that I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And grief, a lot of grief at myself, my younger self and my mental health Uh, and all the challenges I'd had Um, but after I kind of well I still grieve sometimes but after that period of grief there was a period of intense learning which is I've also discovered is quite a common thing where you suddenly become your own hyper-focused subject and special interest so (laughs) um, I did quite hyper focus, like a mofo on learning all about my type of brain Um, and all neurodivergent brains beyond that and figuring out basically learning who I was again and yeah. how then what I needed and how I could advocate for myself even in my own business right I've set this up it's mine but it's still I had to figure out who I was within it you know since then like after that intense period of learning I've I've just tried my best really to to lean into a shame-free space about my brain um, I try to no longer get supremely frustrated when I lose my keys or when I forget to do something that I promised to my girls which obviously is hard you know it's not yeah. a personality flaw um okay. it's just that I have like zero working memory or executive function um which is really like I'll have pitch calls with clients and they're really great we have great connection and all the rest and five minutes later I cannot remember a word of what was said <laughs> wow <laughs> which is you know quite challenging um okay but i i'm trying so hard to just lean into a, a shame-free space
0: about it can i um, can i ask a question there because like obviously well, i, I say obviously i shouldn't say the word obviously but prior to your diagnosis you mm-hmm. would have been doing that right but you just didn't have a like a name for it is that yeah oh god yeah gotcha. cuz you know mm-hmm. there wasn't a reason and you probably walked away from those meetings going what the hell is what the hell is wrong with me?
1: Oh, I mean, a thousand percent. The yeah, how it was before was a, a significant and often debilitating um, and recurring mental illness. Uh, at sixteen, I was diagnosed with depression. At twenty-one, diagnosed clinically with anxiety, and in twenty-three, I think it was panic disorder. Um, and those, uh, like, I've not really been on the. De- end of the scale for quite some time but the anxiety and the panic disorder particularly have been incredibly debilitating at times in my life Um, I was actually saying to the team today about just how grateful I am that flying is no longer a trigger for me because for about 12 years it has been a significant trigger to the point where I wouldn't sleep for several days before a flight Um, it was, you know, a significant impact. My husband's Scottish. Oh, <laughs> oh,
0: <no>. oh gosh. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> pretty, pretty massive impact. I also had, you know, had a trigger point um around driving through tunnels that just happened one day. I had a massive panic attack about driving through a tunnel and then, I mean, God love him, my husband, he would either just not tell me we were going to go through a tunnel or he'd allow me to just completely zone in and focus on my phone so that I wasn't even aware it was happening or he would drive a different way so that I wouldn't have to go through a tunnel. Or about, that one lasted about four years. Um. So, so yeah, so how, how what was the before and what was the after? Yeah. Um A lot of it is to do with shame. I had a lot of shame about myself before. I felt, you know, like I'm a... An intelligent person, and it felt completely disabling to not be able to live a normal life. Even though I'm, you know, an in, I'm intelligent, I'm, I'm educated, I'm really empathetic. Like I'm, you know, I know I'm a good person, but it just was like, what on earth is going on that I can't even like do something normal, like drive through a tunnel, or I, um, you know, at one point. I think as well, a lot of people on the ADHD journey, um, their symptoms became quite heightened during lockdown because yeah, all of the yeah. structures and everything else that we built fell in, our, in yeah. order to mark and to cope yeah. all fell away. And one particular situation, which was, was two big defining mo- moments for me for seeking a diagnosis, but one of them was that we were renovating our house and my husband had to still work outside the home during lockdown and it, it was... A weekend and he was off working and the girl were at home with me and we started painting the back deck and at, w- at some point after a while they decided they wanted to go in and play and I said sure go for it um, the next thing I knew it was four o'clock in the afternoon oh. I hadn't fed them hadn't given them any water I hadn't eaten or drunk myself I hadn't been to the bathroom And I was so just I had so hyper focused on painting the deck that it was to the exclusion of all else in my life, including two minors. Um, They were completely fine. They were on their iPads. They kept going up and getting snacks like they were they were totally fine. Um, But that was really scary for me. And I really was like, what the hell is wrong with me? that to be a situation in my life when I you know I was running a business I'm growing a business doing all this great stuff like yeah how can I you know put a load of washing on and then just completely forget I ever even did that yeah a lot of shame anxiety and therefore a lot of panic because I was also trying to just pretend to be normal all the time which is where a lot of the panic would come as well
0: yeah yeah thank you for sharing that um I'm I'm i yeah, I was really sorry that you that you felt like that. So I guess was there relief then that with the diagnosis?
1: Yeah. great grief, yeah. grief, grief and and relief and the yeah. I mean continued relief to this day. I did I locked my keys last week. Um we now we have a very specific system. The keys go in a specific spot right by the door every time we get home, but I hadn't done that for whatever reason. And I we spent ages looking for them and it still flared for me that shame of like how can I not remember where I put my keys literally like a few minutes ago. Yeah. But I was able to dissipate that a lot faster than I I never used to dissipate it at all. I'd just be like, what the F is wrong with you.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So this is more just like, oh, okay, that's fine. I just don't have any executive function. I have no working memory and that's okay.
0: Yeah. How has it made you kind of, I guess, like, rethink the way that you run your business and manage mm. your team.
1: Yeah, well of of course it, it changed everything for for me, for myself and for and for the team. Um, I finally had a why, mm. which was so important. Um a why about how my brain works and it also particularly deep diving into learning about neurodivergency, it helped me to recognise that every brain is fundamentally different. You know, I grew up with the same stereotypes that a lot of people have had of, you know, the autistic presentation being a young nonverbal boy with, you know, headphones on and the ADHD presentation being a young hyperactive boy who can't sit still. And what I came to understand was that they're just two presentations and actually, it's much more um, like Chloe Hayden, who's a fantastic autistic actor, uh, has a video up on Instagram showing the like the color wheel on a, you know, on an iPad, yeah. if you go to change the color and this massive color wheel. And she's like, every single pixel on this color wheel is a different type of presentation. Yeah. And just because you have ADHD does not mean you are going to be the same as the next person who has ADHD or so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So it really helped me to understand that we're all neurodiverse. That doesn't mean we're all neurodivergent, it's just mm-hmm. we all have different brains.
0: Yeah,
1: because some people like me struggle with basic tasks that doesn't reflect on our ability to do the tasks that are actually important to our roles,
0: yeah,
1: or for the business. Mm-hmm. Um, now, hell bent on, on creating a workplace that really feels good for everybody. You know, we focus on Really committing to those minor accommodations, like just because you can't remember to do a task, doesn't mean you're not brilliant at doing the task. So there are systems and there are processes that we can and have put in place to help people, like myself, remember yep. to do.
0: Yeah, and you get input from the rest of the team as well to to, to do that. Yeah, Yep.
1: yeah. Yep. We don't actually interesting. We don't currently have any self-identifying um, neurodivergent brains in the team. Uh-huh. Um, but that doesn't matter to me there, you know, we are all neurodiverse and anything that yes. benefits the neurodivergent brain is actually also going to benefit any other brain, yep. uh, whether or not they've got an official diagnosis or not, but there's yep. definitely benefit to having neurodivergent brains in a creative space like we're in because, um, you know, you need a good mix, but they're, you know, neurodivergent brains are pretty bloody incredible
0: yeah I, I want to talk about the hyper focus because mm. i I see that I mean I, I you know obviously you shared the example of the the, the painting you know it suddenly <laughs> being four o'clock in the afternoon um but uh, can we talk about it in like how you use that to your advantage with the work that you deliver to your clients but also you know a, as a business owner?
1: yeah absolutely so yeah hyperfocus is is or can be one of the Positive aspects of an ADHD brain. ADHD is may have, you know, significant significant difficulty focusing on anything that doesn't hold their interest. That when something holds their interest, you it's very hard to bring them out of that. <laughs> and a lot of people, I think, when they're newly diagnosed um, or even uh, newly self-diagnosed, which is a very valid um, perspective as well. Yeah, you know, that word superpower. About something like hyper hyperfocus comes into it, but um, my friend Sheree Clonan, who's the yes. CEO at yep. the Digital Picnic, yeah. Um, yeah, she broke it down superbly for me the other week about mm. how uh, the superpower is it, sure it's great, but it's actually can, it can be quite disabling. Yeah, and it as is evidenced by my example of painting yeah. the dead. yes, yes, um, and saying that the superpower can negate, you know, that all of those disabling experiences for me that having the ability to hyperfocus is great when it aligns well with my calendar, <laughs> so, you know, or what your
0: clients are expecting from you this week, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. Or what
1: my team needs from me. Like maybe they don't yes. hyperfocus for four mm-hmm. hours on reading everything about how to make a neurodivergent friendly workplace and then creating a deck about it and the yeah. like maybe yep. they actually needed me to review what they needed me to do yeah um and it's it's yeah like for me it's it's definitely good um but it has been inconvenient at times particularly when i was the the primary carer of our children my husband's currently on a career break yep. um which i'm really grateful cuz i've been able to turn much more of my focus to the business
0: yeah
1: but often for me every few weeks kind of I'd roll into hyper focus at about two o'clock in the afternoon. And then generally I'd have to pull myself out of it to go and pick up the kids go and get
0: the kids. Yeah.
1: Dinner, bath bed. Yeah. Um, so now I have the ability to just roll with it much more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, a, it's akin to like, the best way I can describe it is like going down, you know, the Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole. Yep. And literally not being able to think about anything else, including going to the toilet or drinking water um, while that topic is holding your focus. But I would say that like it can be inconvenient, but of course it's also pretty bloody incredible because some of the things that have been really big pushes forward in our business growth have come out of me hyper-focusing like a mofo on particular things,
0: um,
1: which is how we do strategy Um, and the way we look at strategy all came out of and continues to come out of periods of hyper-focus of mine. Um, our Content production process and just fundamentally what we do came out of me sitting there going, oh, I wonder how I can make this work and then boom, down this massive rabbit hole and then came up with the whole process. Our company, our agency structure, our inclusivity policies, um, our pricing and planning tracker, which is a absolutely fundamental part of what we do and how we figure out how much time each part of the process of what we do takes all of that stuff um they've all come out of periods of, of hyper focus for me
0: wow That's fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. I'm just, I'm completely fascinated with this because, you know, I think I mentioned to you when we were, when we were connecting about this interview, it's just like so many women in my world have, 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 you know, been getting diagnosed over the last kind of 12, 18 months or so. And, you know, in some cases it was like, well, duh, like, you know, (laughs) what, oh, you're telling me the sky is blue. Like it it was that kind of a situation because, and, and, and it was often around like their output, like their output, what they could deliver was absolutely mind blowing to me, but it was because of that hyper focus, which is why, you know, I sort of asked that question around it being a superpower, but I really appreciate you highlighting the fact that it can also be a bloody massive hindrance as well because you know if it doesn't align with your calendar, um, then um, yeah, it can it can yeah, it's it's not so great. So while I'm looking at it and going, geez, i don't like a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> I can see you absolutely-
1: also, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the other part you don't see is that you know people, you know the people in your network can hyper focus and incredible output, mm. but what is the cost after that? Yeah. The- there's, yeah. you know, for me, often it's like my brain then just feels like it's just going through mud.
0: Right.
1: Um, because my brain is, there's constantly, there's that great meme that talks about how, you know, your brain's like a, a chrome chrome window that's got, you know, 27 tabs open that's and open. it's coming from one and there's, you know, whatever else. That, there is just constant multiple noise in my brain. Yeah. There's always a song going on. Um, there is there's always people talking, and they're all me. Like I, I don't have, you know, clinical, uh, any clinical issues in that space. Yeah. Um, but it's very, very noisy, and I think after I hyperfocus, it goes very quiet. Um, mm-hmm. Which for some people would be a relief. For me, it's very disconcerting because it is not my norm, and it I really struggle to not feel productive. Yeah. But it's when I've
0: spent all my energy and there is nothing yep. brain power left. Yeah, yeah, I know. I can, I can imagine. I can, I can only imagine. So, um, could could you? I guess you know, having now, um, you know, now you are. You know, functioning with with ADHD as a as a as a business owner, as a as a parent, um, as a manager, as you know, someone who delivers work to clients, all that sort of thing. I would love for you to share with our listeners how you've now made your business more inclusive, um, and how and how how we can also. Um, be more inclusive and supportive of people, no matter what kind of brain they have? Yeah. How can we do better?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, this is actually one of the things that I focused on a few weeks yeah. ago, much uh-huh. to the annoyance of a few people in my team, because they were like, you weren't meant to be working on that. Um, but <laughs> I actually wrote a, a bit of a manifesto, um, and it's 20 uh, odd pages of a slide deck long. Um, and I took the team through it just on Monday, um, just gone. And it is it is my commitment and our commitment as a business to creating a very, um, a very human inclusive workplace. So the reason I say human and not neurodivergent is that ultimately we are all neurodiverse. Yeah. And the really minor accommodations that any business owner can make to help neurodivergent brains, like incredibly help them, actually help all human brains. So it's not really, it's not about just being solely, you know, making changes to help make neurodivergent people feel more inclusive and and help them. It's actually just helped everyone. Um, Some of the key points from that is we've really overhauled our recruitment process um, Mm -hmm. to make it much more inclusive because we recognise that going for a job interview or applying for a job, it's time taxing and it's really stressful and it can be very anxiety inducing but things like specifically asking for neurodivergent and disabled people to apply in the job ad saying in the job ad that interview questions will be provided in advance and then actually providing those interview questions like it is just insane to me when I think about it that we we ever would have like you would never have a meeting in a business where you just got everyone in the room and then you just suddenly like, you know, laid on these loaded questions to yeah. giving them the chance to prepare.
0: Yes, I know. And you know what, like, because, you know, uh, you know, for uh, disclosure to to the listeners, you very kindly shared that with me and I was reading through it, just going like you have, you have literally thought of everything, like you really have thought of everything, but it's like, why that? Of course, and you know this is this is speaking as someone who has recruited literally. Like I don't even want it because I, I very long time ago worked in recruitment. I have recruited that probably thousands of people over my career, and what you have said there, yeah, about the interview questions because interviews are horrible. They are horrible, yeah. and even, even demanding that they must be in person or
1: yes. they must be
0: via
1: video, uh, like actually yes. an audio interview. It should be and is just as valid same as cover letters Yeah, the time and effort that people go into putting together great cover letters is awesome but like if you have if you have dysgraphia for instance and you have trouble expressing yourself through the written format yes. you know a, a voice note cover letter is yes. just in fact mm-hmm. it, was, it is probably a better representation of who you are
0: it is. That's why I love the video applications now because it's like, now? yes, show show me who you are. But in saying that, for a lot of people, that is just their idea of hell and they would go, no, nah, I'm not applying because I have to record the video. So 100%. I just love, like, you know, that, that the policy that you've created, it is human inclusivity policy. So it's about accommodating
1: everyone. All, all humans because, I I mean, uh, neurodiversion or not like it would have benefited me greatly to have known in advance what questions somebody would ask me in an interview it would also have benefited me greatly if there was for instance you know more human inclusive onboarding practices where like we've committed to creating for instance the work culture 101 document that is a a a document that talks kind of through all of the unspoken social norms of our business yeah little things like like I, we actually had someone in the team apologise the other day on the team meeting say, I'm sorry, you know, I was moving around a lot. And I was like, that is not something you need to be sorry for. Like movement yeah. on our Zoom chat is very welcome. Yeah. And you, know, just, how do you dress? How do you dress for an internal meeting? How do you dress for an external meeting? What, is there any, you know, like having to be explicit about things like saying there is absolutely no shame in saying, I need better help in setting up my asana yeah or I need to operate at my best I need to go and have an afternoon nap like why why would there be any shame in that and I just so that's you know as an onboarding thing we want to we are putting together this document that talks about those kind of social norms Mm -hmm. within the business um other things so I one of my things that I've learned about myself which I now find hilarious but has caused a lot of problems in my life is that I can't read sarcasm uh-huh it takes me at least three seconds to process that something was intended to be sarcastic. And in that three seconds, which is actually quite a long time, when you're having a conversation, I always react as if the statement had been fact.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: And then there's this dance of like, oh, no, but I meant it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yes, you meant it to be sarcastic. Oh, oh." just awkward. And so, like, I have no shame in now saying to the team, I continue to be sarcastic, but if you can just, preface it for me or just without shaming me, just say afterwards that was sarcastic, then I'm great, I'm cool. Yeah, fine. There doesn't need to be anything awkward about it. Uh Uh-huh. Um, a few other things that we're doing in as part of that manifesto is, you know, committing to being really specific about when and the type of feedback that we will give, that it will be clear and direct feedback and it will be delivered in in a one-to-one, you know, in your one-to-one meeting format. Yeah. So that you're not, like, sitting there during the day, like, wondering if you're going to get sprung with some bit of feedback that you, you know, something that you weren't even aware of that you've done. Like, mm-hmm. just clarity around those norms um, and a commitment to those is something that a lot of businesses can do that they wouldn't even, especially micro-businesses, you wouldn't even be aware of the patterns of how you do that at the moment. Yeah,
0: that's right, yeah.
1: And and so many of us, especially when we're, we're small and starting out, are just it's it's just all hands on deck you're just yes. doing everything as soon as yeah. you can do it and when you have time too and you're trying to work around all your life and all the rest. Mm. Um but if you can be clear about that that's going to help particularly when you're a diversion employee so much because it's just going to alleviate so much of the anxiety around work.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah. yes uh,
1: Michelle yeah. I did I did share that deck with you and um if any of the listeners would would like a copy then they can follow me on LinkedIn and I'm ha- very happy
0: to share it because yeah. um, I'm pretty proud of what my brain produced. You should absolutely, even though I'm sure I love that you said my team were like, what the hell are you doing this for? You're not meant to be. <laughs> but um, but you should absolutely be be proud because I read that and went, oh, my God, this is absolute gold here. It's really, really, it's, it's really valuable. Um, and this is the stuff that always surprises me. Um, you know, as you said, with the micro business model solopreneurs, like they often, they may never have, have hired staff before, or, you know, when they have worked in a bigger organization, you know, someone did the hiring for them, or they were part of a team, like, so they've never, they've never walked this path. So resources like this, I think, are just so so valuable so um yes I'm uh, (laughs) whilst your whilst your team may be cursing you we are not so (laughs) I think I think
1: once once they 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 talk talk it through on Monday there was some pretty big feels that came
0: out of it oh it's incredible yeah I was I was actually like you know I mean I wasn't even in the room but when I was I was very um yeah I was quite emotion like when I read it I was just like this is really fantastic but So it all it all makes so much sense ah, right? totally 100% yeah. it, but someone we do not do it already well, I, because yeah we needed your beautiful brain to to create it that is you know and it is a gift so thank you thank you for doing it now something that you and I have in common mm-hmm. is Um, the advocating the importance of self-care. And I'd really love to know how you came to this realisation. Like, did you come to it the hard way, like most of us do? Um, And can you please share some of the things that you do for your own self-care? And something I know that you do is you encourage this among your team as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and yes, of course, I came to it the hard way. I mean, I've you know <laughs> history of um pretty debilitating mental illness episodes and undiagnosed neurodivergence. So yes, yeah, it took yeah, me a long time. Yeah. Um, because I I always thought self care meant I was obviously aware of it and I tried to self care. Mm. Um, in inverted commas, but I was trying to do it in a really neurotypical way. So I thought the way to self care was to rest and you know lie down and read a book or you know go for a long walk or something like that but actually for my brain that isn't what self-care looks like which I've now discovered um so for for me um it my brain doesn't like to slow down um I as I mentioned I I've, like after I've hyper focused I find it really disconcerting to actually not have all the pulse and the noise and the everything kind of going on. So self-care for me now is just directing that onto non-work activities. Um, So for myself, I have about about six different kind of craft projects on the go at any one time. Um, I've been getting really into embroidery. uh, Through a lot of COVID, it was Um, cross-stitch. Something I could do with my hands. Often Mm -hmm. I've got a podcast in. Yep. Yeah, I can do next to the girls while they're playing or whatever, yeah. um, but I'm keeping myself busy mm-hmm. and I'm producing yeah. and that feels really good for me. I knitted a jumper. It's not good, but I knitted a jumper, Um, you know, those kinds of things. Or it's going and doing something really like a very sensory, immersive activity with the family. Like we went and um, did a bushwalk to some waterfalls and then it was so cold that the girls and I went swimming in the waterfalls and like that you know it keeps me off my phone and it is yeah. a really intense experience that I can do with them mm-hmm. and of course the two very normal ones are just prioritizing sleep and moving my body yeah also of course part of self-care um but when it comes to the team we yeah. have a pretty big ask of the team in that um I almost... They almost stretch it to a demand that I I need the team to figure out for themselves what self-care looks like uh-huh. and then advocate for what it is they need. Everyone in the team, they're all adults. Yeah. They're all, you know, intelligent, wonderful people. And I can't see, particularly because they're remote, I can't see what's going on in their lives. Yep. Um, I don't particularly want to have that level of visibility into yep team's lives either mm-hmm. so for me from the team perspective you know I've created this workplace where self-care isn't considered something you should only do on the weekends yep um, I go to Pilates for instance during working hours uh, twice a week I finish up early to go and pick up the school on Fridays and then I regularly go and do those appointments like GP or skin check or psychologist yep. also during work hours and I'm always really vocal about the fact that I'm doing that and that it doesn't impact
0: my ability to get the work done. Oh, my God, Sarah, I want you to like speak to a lot of the women in my work who are terrified. It's like, oh, well, I can't I can't leave early on a Friday because, you know, what will my team think? And I'm like, they need you to leave work early on a Friday. They need to see that it is okay. And as long as the work gets done, it's like it, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter, especially mm-hmm. as the boss.
1: Yeah. And looking at you know this is another thing that's in that kind of human inclusivity manifesto is, is clock watching for accomplishment and task completion, not clock watching for presenteeism because it's just so backwards. Like my the fact that um, oh, on Wednesday uh, Wednesday last week I went and had a pedicure mm-hmm. and I. 15 minutes driving there actually I was on the phone to one of my colleagues while I was driving and then I sat there the whole time while I was having the pedicure and I worked yep. and then 15 minutes back and and even if I hadn't worked for that whole time I still would have got done what I needed to get done in the day even if that had meant you know logging on a bit later in the evening or something but it's you know we want flexibility but I think the most important thing is people working out what that flexibility actually is for them because yes. it's different for everyone. yeah and then once you've worked it out you really need to advocate for what you need
0: yeah yeah thank you sarah i just yeah that's that's incredible the fact that you're like treating everyone like a freaking grown up it's like i can't tell you what it is for you i need you to basically advocate for yourself but know that that, that it is a that is safe to do so within yeah. Within the confines of, can I? Uh, this is just something that popped into my head as you were, were talking about. Um, you know, not not sort of measuring people in terms of how much how much their bum is on the seat. Mm-hmm. Do you? Because obviously, you know, you, you you'd have um people co- like working on particular client works and stuff. Do you time track? Like, do you do time track into? You do do that? Okay, yep. cool. So cool. we've uh,
1: yeah we've got yeah. it all in Asana, so each step yeah. of the process. Um, so just so we can track for profitability and and the like. Yes. We don't yeah. ever We only ever really look at the data in aggregate. Um, not yeah. you know, as an individual, it's not we've never looked at it and gone, oh, that person only worked whatever. Yeah. Uh, we do have a KPI though that is 90% of your billable hours are tracked using the timer. So we use ever hour and you can either add time manually or you can track it with the timer. Yeah. So what actually what we actually KPI there is is uh, more to do with um, the quality of the data because if you're using your timer then you are more likely to actually track how long it took and not
0: estimate yes uh, Because i another fun part of adhd <laughs> is i have complete time pump. blindness yeah yeah <laughs> that is that was what my one of my really good mates and she's probably listening and she'll be laughing along here when she sat down and told me um and she is she's like late for, late all, all the time all the time and and she's always like thank you thank you that's, that's fine it's fine but when she told me and she goes and you know I'm time blind and I'm like I know like <laughs> I know that about you <laughs> oh, yeah. it's. Yeah. I mean,
1: this is bit, like that's why we, we have to use the data. We have to time travel also because yeah. we don't want to put the burden on our team of, yeah. of me or anyone else, for instance, saying, oh, that should only take four hours.
0: Yes, yes. Actually, we, yes. we want to
1: collect data from a range yeah. of employees. Like, how yeah. long does it actually take yeah. to write a 600 word article for this client on that's average?
0: Great. Yeah, on and average. That, yeah,
1: That becomes the goal in terms yes. of the effort. Um, that's great. Not you know, some like I think that everything will take a minute.
0: Five minutes, yes. Um yeah.
1: <laughs> even if I have data to tell me otherwise. So yeah. I couldn't be trapped on that stuff, that buggy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great. I love that. Yes. Yeah, so no, that was a bit of a digress, but it popped into my head as as, as you were talking about that. I, I always just, I just love to know the inner workings of of different people's businesses. So Sarah, you have shared so much with our listeners today, and I am so grateful for everything that you have spoken about. I always end every interview with um, the same question. I ask my guests to share something that they've read, watched, watched, listened to or experienced that will give our listeners lives or business a boost so what would you like to share with us
1: yeah so um I hope nobody said this recently but for me uh, it was Michelle Obama's latest book the light we carry
0: oh no no one has recommended that and it is on my list so oh, it yeah will
1: give both your life and your business a boost um oh. it's all about overcoming in uncertain times I think the the title the light we carry is, is really beautiful but it doesn't it it doesn't give enough weight to how incredible this book actually is okay Um, so she's obviously an inspiring woman and she's obviously been through a lot and this book is all specifically about how she has approached and then navigated everything that's happened pretty much in her life but but specifically the last decade so we're talking about the eight years in office, the, yes. you know, all of that, the transition to Trump or well, last 15 years really, the transition yes. to Trump, all of that stuff. Yes. And it's just it's story after story after story that is that, that presents a, a slightly nuanced way of being able to perceive the challenge ahead of you and then navigate your way through it. And given the, I guess the scale of of the challenge in her life, yeah, it it's pretty incredible to read.
0: I actually read read this book. I was going to um, ask, did you read or listen? Well, her
1: last book, I listened to her narration of it on Audible, and this yeah. one I read. Um, mm-hmm. Either would be fabulous, but it yeah. definitely it gave my life a good boost, and then it also really helped me in the business. Too.
0: Fantastic. Okay, I will bump that up the list because I also noticed she's got a podcast to like or an audible series i think it is to 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 like as a companion piece so have you started listening to that yet i haven't yet
1: no i haven't yet but i i'm excited to get into it
0: yeah no i love her i really love her okay one last thing that i want to ask you is how can people get more of you in their lives after this chat (laughs)
1: If they've not had enough already, um, so look, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Just search for my name, Sarah Spence, or you can find us on Instagram. Uh, our handle is at Content Copywriting. Um, I'm actually just also about to start my own uh, more personal Instagram, though um, so that is at Sarah Spence underscore Content. Nothing there at the moment, but hopefully when this goes out, there'll be some stuff on there. But...
0: I'm sure there will, and I will put all the links to those in the show notes. Sarah, you have been. A star, thank you so much for sharing so openly. I know that this conversation is going to help a lot of people. It's I have learned so much from talking to you and I'm really, really thankful for your time.
1: Oh, thank you, Michelle. It's been a really great conversation.